And tonight we're taking biblical relations. It's the end of this one part of the, of the steps that we were talking about. We've talked about biblical love and, and, uh, and biblical communication and biblical now relationships. And as we look at the scripture, the scripture I'm just going to use as a platform to take off on here. Uh, let's just open up in prayer and then we'll read the scripture. Father, again, we thank you for this evening. And we desire a deeper love with you, uh, for you, and a com and commitment and a, just a, a deeper relationship of communing with you. Not only listening to you, but also uh, knowing that you're, you're listening to us, Lord, as we um, you know, come to you with all of our, our needs, wants, desires, complaints, everything, Lord. You want us to come and sit at your feet and not only to talk, but also to, more importantly, listen and as you speak to our minds of the scripture you will reveal to us, Lord, speaking to our hearts through your word, may we know your words so that we can hear you clearly. And again, Lord, we just again thank you for this evening as we continue down the teachings here this evening on biblical relationships according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 12, verse 4 and 5 says, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now, after our spiritual new birth, we become members of the body of Christ. When we say church, we're not talking about a building. We're talking about you and I as believers. We're the church. We're the church body, the body of Christ. And you are grafted in or you're, you are adopted into the faith when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You're adopted into his family and you become part of the body. Believers in Christ are supernaturally related as brothers and sisters. So it's not just some Christian thing to say, hey, brother, how are you? Hey, sister, how are you? That is absolutely a supernatural event that takes place when you become a child of God. You're grafted in or you're adopted into the, the, the family as brothers and sisters in Christ and should consistently support one another through the practice of biblical love. And we've gone through the biblical love scriptures. It's one thing about saying, oh, I love you, brother, but do you practically, do you consistently support one another through the practice of that? That means you're doing something. Practice means you're doing something. Not just saying it, but doing it. It's so many times we're so easy to say, do you think you could support your brother or your sister in the, in the, in the Lord? And like, oh, I mean, oh, I wish I could. I'm really kind of busy, you know, I'm I'm." bathing the cat tonight. But you'll turn around and you will support someone else, maybe in your family or a friend or a neighbor, so much quicker, even if they're a non-believer, because they're blood family. Well, you come to realize when you know the scripture, your brother and sister in the Lord is closer than a blood family as a non-believer. That's what the scripture shows us. So we should know as we become a child of God, we're adopted into the, or brought into the body of Christ. We're with brothers and sisters supernaturally, and we're to support constantly the practice of biblical love between one another. 
We read Romans 12, 4 and 5, but also John 13, 35. For this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How do you know if they're a Christian? Just watch their life. You'll know if they have love for one another. Their actions, their thoughts, their, their, what comes out of their minds and how they respond to people, you'll know if they're a Christian or not. Just, if it's just words, just squawking, or if it's truly a changed heart, a Christian heart of love for God, you'll have love for another person. Now what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you a series of key facts of what it means to have biblical relationships. And I'm going to take it by by book. So I'm going to give you, for instance, I'm going to share a few from the Gospels. And so you can go back easily, read them through, and I'm going to give you the highlights of biblical relationships as, as a child of God, as a brother and a sister in the Lord. How are we to have relationships with one another? And if we don't line up with these, then we know that we have to continue to grow and mature as a Christian because our hearts are to be in those types of relationships with one another as a Christian. So the very first one that we see as an expression of biblical love in the Gospels is that we will be gentle with one another. That we may inherit the earth, Matthew 5, 5 states. We're going to be gentle with one another. Not aggressive, gentle. Your relationship with your spouse, the relationship with your brother and sister in the Lord, the relationships of someone who you're just getting to know. We are to be gentle. Why? Because that may inherit the earth. That's a very promise for us. A second one would be we must make peace. Peace with one another that we may be called the sons of God. We see that also in Matthew 5, 9. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Are you a son or a daughter of God? Well, if you're a peacemaker, that will be an indication or an expression from your life that you truly are a child of God that's growing and maturing. That there is a truly a biblical love. For one another. So you be gentle. You're, you're a peacemaker. The next one is reconcile with one another. That you may be fit to worship and serve the Lord. We see that in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. We must learn to reconcile our differences between brothers and sisters. Between sisters, between brothers. That is what we're supposed to look forward to do is to reconcile. Because there are always going to be differences. A spouse, a married couple, are always to look to be reconciled. If you don't reconcile with that brother, reconcile with that spouse or with a sister, you are going to hinder the worship and the service to the Lord. It's going to hinder it. You may not think it's going to hinder it, but trust me, it's going, you're going to be hindered if there's not reconciliation. Next is to give him who asks of you. So we're to give to our brothers and sisters. We're to give to those we love. That's a biblical love. That's Matthew 5, 42, in the first part of verse 42 there. We're to give. Not to see what we can get from our brothers and sisters. Not to see what we can just get from our spouse. What are we to give? We're to be givers. That tells you if you have biblical love or not in your life that's dominating. If it's the fruit that's dominating from a mature Christian, you will have this heart to give. 
Give your time. Give your money. Give your resources. Your strength. Whatever it is for that situation that that brother or that sister needs, you are willing because they asked you, can you help me? Yes, I want to give my time to help you. I'm in need. Let me give. I can give. I have God, God, God has given me the resources. God's part of my, yes, I want to be able to give. Next one is love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 5, 44. Yes, this is not just for your brothers and sisters of the Lord, but those who are enemies, people who are coming against you, persecuting you. You must ask the Lord to show you how to show biblical love appropriately to that person. As a minimum, you should be praying for, their, for them because their hearts are not right. If they're enemies against you, even if they call themselves a Christians, their heart's not right. You need to be praying for them. If they're a non-believer, you should be praying for the salvation for them. Their hearts are not going to change unless the Lord changes their hearts and they need to surrender their hearts. The next one we see in the Gospels is biblical love is forgive others that God may forgive you. Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15, it says, For you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. You make deliberate mistakes. You deliberately said, I'm, I'm going to do something against someone, even as a Christian, because your heart's not right. You're cardinal. You're acting in your flesh. You're acting like the world. And God says, hey, don't be thinking I don't notice these things that's coming in, out of your actions, you know. That's not, that's not my biblical love. That's not right. And you'll be convicted as a Christian. You'll be convicted. You'll feel the conviction. How much you, when you're convicted, how much you want the forgiveness of God for that trespass you've committed. And then someone else commits against you and you're not willing to forgive them? That's not right. So we must forgive others that God may forgive you. The next one is do not judge others that you may not be judged. We see that in Matthew 7, verse 1 and 2. That critical spirit, that judgment, mental mindset against people you better be very careful we must be very careful because the scripture is very clear do not judge others that you may not be judged i mean trust me it's it's coming right back at you we also see in the gospels treat others the same way that you want them to treat you matthew 7 12 you know, just keep it simple. Well, I would never treat people like that. Well, examine your heart. Make sure you don't. Don't make that just a statement. Make that a fact. Treat them like how you would want to be retreated. What you sow, you shall reap. You can't get around that law. But you sow, you shall reap. You cannot get away. Gravity, you cannot get away. You can try to keep yourself and try to figure out a way to accommodate, but gravity's going to win out. And the law of reaping and sowing is going to play out. If It's just a matter of time that will play out if you're not careful. So treat others the same way. We also see the gospel, biblical love is expressed by the fact that you need to reprove 
your brother so that he may be reconciled with you and with the Lord. Matthew 18 verses 15 through 17. This correction, at times you're going to have to help and correct a brother or a sister or even your spouse about the way their mindset is. And you do that, why? And gentle. You're going to do it because it's a peacemaker. You're trying to reconcile. You're willing to give whatever they need to help them to, to be able to reconcile not only with you and with the Lord. You're, you're willing to pray for them. You're willing to forgive them. You're not willing to, not to judge them on these things. You're willing to treat them the same way how you would want to be treated if the roles were reversed. Do you see? These all go together in regards to your relationship with others. And then you'll learn in the Gospels, a biblical love is, is expressed by serving one another. Following the example of Christ, we are to serve one another. We see that in John 13, verses 13 through 17. It says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, uh, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Serving. Even at that point in time, washing someone's feet at that point, it was the most low, lowest job you probably can do. Washing those nasty little gnarly feet. But our Lord was willing to do that. Are you willing to do that for a brother or a sister? For your spouse? Are you willing to serve one another? And lastly, for the biblical love expressed in the Gospels we see in John 13, 34... Love others as you do yourself, so they may know that you are one of Christ's disciples. How do you know if you're a Christ's disciple? By your love for others. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. I don't know how to love them. Well, then you need to study your Lord. You need to read the Gospels. You need to read the Scriptures and see how the Lord loved others and then follow that pattern. No one's going to teach me how to love someone. No, those Scriptures teach you. You need to read them and then apply them and practice them and keep practicing until you mature and grow where it becomes that's your nature of who you are. God has given you a new nature, but it must develop and mature and it needs to come out. You have the nature to love biblically. So the excuse, oh, as a Christian, oh, I could never do that, then you don't know the scripture. I could never, could, uh, there's just absolutely no way I would, could get to that point. Then you don't know the scripture. You have the nature. It has to be matured. It has to be discipled up. It needs to grow and mature. You need to grow up. That's the problem. Not the problem you can't do it. The problem is you're not wanting to do it. 
That's what most of people's problem is. They're not willing to change. They're not willing to grow. They're not willing to try something biblically in the way the Lord does it. And it will. And only in due time, if you're willing to be a disciple and continue to be in the scriptures and in prayer and in fellowship and continue to grow and seek after the things of God and allow the Spirit of God to change and transform your mind. By the through and by the reading of the word of God. It will happen, my brothers and sisters. It will. But you need to be practicing. You need to be working out. You need to be doing the walking, the exercising, faithfully committed to doing the things that God's called you to do day in and day out. Keep practicing. The next book will take is Acts and Romans. And a few in there that we'll take here in Acts and Romans that shows expressions of biblical love is, is meet one another's needs. That's the first one. Meet one another's needs by sharing God's provisions that he has placed under your care. Acts 4, verses 32 through 37. God has given each and every one of us some amount of provisions. To meet your needs, to have your food on the table, the clothes on your back, and a roof over your head. He's giving you some amount. And if you're faithful with the, the small things, he's going to be faithful. You'll be faithful with the larger things. He can add to your life, and that will not only to for your purpose, for your provisions, but for the provisions to be shared by giving to someone else. Because the biblical love is to give, not to receive. It's to give. So if God says, I know this person's mature and he's giving out, I can give more to him or her so that I know I can use him or her to help those in need. Because you're willing to do it. Because your heart is a biblical love. You're willing to, Lord, whatever you've given me, if you put in my heart to do those things, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do it. So that's an expression of biblical love and we see in Acts is meet one another's needs. The next one is minister to others. Your biblical love is you desire to minister to others according to your spiritual giftedness that God has given you. As a functioning and mutually edifying member of the body of Christ. You're part of a member. You have, if you're a thumb in the body, then God has made you a thumb. And there's a very specific purpose and reason why he's made you a thumb. The question is, are you willing to use that giftedness that he's given you for the body of believers? Because that pinky needs the thumb. You must be willing to use it. And be open to using it. Not, it's not for your personal gain at all. It is for the benefit of the body of Christ. That is why he's given you a gift or gifts, spiritual gifts, to do what is needed to make the body of believers of gathering healthy. Needs are met. Encouragement is there. Rebuking is happening. Whatever it is, that you know, gift of administration, the gift of teaching, the, go on down the spiritual gifts. Which gift or gifts do you have? And are you serving God and serving the people within the body? That's the question. And if you're not, then you're not mature Christian yet. And I know. I know. I, I hear it already in my... I already hear it. But, Pastor, you don't understand... 
the place where I'm at. You know, I would love to, but I, I got it, 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 I got it. That's between you and the Lord. Here at Chatter Chapel, I don't ask you to do anything. You don't have to sign your blood and, and paycheck over here and, and, and you have to do this and this and that to be a member. It's between you and the Lord. You get to freely serve God as he leads. And if you don't feel like doing anything, that's between your Lord. I guarantee you God can much more correct you and, and, and bring to light your selfishness than anybody else, than me. Oh, he'll bring it to light. He'll, he'll deal with you. Why? Because he wants you to not be selfish anymore. He says, I've given you an eternal life, and I've given you a spiritual gift for the body, and you're not using it? It's only a matter of time he's going to get your attention. That's how he works. He's gentle. He's long-suffering. He's kind. I mean, he's going to work with you. But I tell you what, I wouldn't hold back from all the rewards and blessings that come from doing what God's called you to do. I don't know why you would want to lose out on all that. Because all those are going to be, all you're going to benefit, we're going to benefit that for eternity because all of those will be stored up in heaven for us. I'm telling you what, I, people don't understand the scripture when they don't want to serve and don't want to give and don't want to do what God's called them to do spiritually. You're missing out big time, not only here, but in eternity, according to scripture. So we're going to, biblical love is you're going to minister to others. And we'll also be devoted to one another. That's another uh, expression of biblical love. You'll be devoted to one another in brotherly love since you are a member of God's family through Christ. We see that in Romans 12, verse 10. It says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. How difficult it is. I understand that. I first got saved. I, you know, a lot of people have difficulty expressing love. I understand that. You just got saved. I, didn't expect, I don't expect you to show love. You know, you've been so selfish and self-centered for so long about your own personal love. You, how can you love someone else? Just all, boom. But it will come as you mature. You can't help but express your love and thankfulness and all the things that come from that to a brother or a sister because you're just, no, it's just, it, you just want to honor them. You want to give them the preference. You just, it's no longer about you anymore. It's about them. The next one is, we find in Romans 12, 10 is, is as well, that same scripture is give preference to one another and thus demonstrate honor to a fellow believer. Do you honor another believer? Do you show preference to them? Do you let them go first? Do you let them have the, the you know, the best piece of bacon when it comes to men's breakfast. I mean, whatever it may be. I know for some it's hard to give up that bacon, but I mean, that's a test. It's just a test to see where you're at in your spiritual walk. That was a joke. <laughs> Not that men fight over bacon or anything. Don't, don't be thinking that. <laughs> The next one we see here is be of the same mind. It's an expression of biblical love. Is being of the same mind with one another that you may not be wise in your own estimation or own intellect. But instead you may glorify the Lord with your unity with people. 
We see that again, Romans 15, verses 5 and 6. And let me read it for you so it bring clarity. Now may the Lord be patient and comfort, grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may be one mind and one mouth, glorifying the, the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I cannot glorify God and worship God together if we are not like-minded. If we're at odds with each other. Or with the fact that you're not willing, you know, to, to, as, as we see in the verse 5 of Romans 15, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded to one another. You think I'm going to comfort him? Are you kidding me? You think I'm going to be patient with him? He doesn't get it. No, we're to be patient. We're to be comforting. We're to be like-minded. Why? Because we worship the same God. We glorify God. We're going to be together for eternity. And it starts now to be in unity. To be expressive of God's love, you must think unity and glorifying and being of the same mind in regards to helping uh, and, and not be thinking you're so wise that you know everything else above everybody else. It's, it's just not going to work. Next one is love one another that you may fulfill the law of God in its summation. We see that, of course, in Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Everyone knows that one, quotes that one. But do you really follow through with that? Do you consistently do that with everybody or just certain people you are willing to do that? As you disciple and you grow and mature, it will be consistent across all people, not just certain people. Even those who are more difficult neighbors to love, you're still going to love them according to the appropriate, as God's leading you to love them, a biblical love. Next one is do not judge one another without the acknowledgement of God's sovereignty in the lives of one another. Romans 14, 1 through 3. We must not judge one another. We have to take a step back and, and show love by taking a step back and not judging the situation or the scenario too quickly. Because if you see something playing out and you jump in there and judge it based on your own understanding and not getting all the facts as we talked about earlier about biblical communication, you just jump right in there, then you're not acknowledging that God is sovereign and God is in control. You can cause a, a showing of unbiblical love to, toward one another. The next one we see here in these books is pursuing things that make for peace. The building up of one another, that you may not lead others to stumble. Romans 14, 14 through 19. We must pursue things that make for peace. Building up, edifying the other person, encouraging someone in their walk. That is what we do to express biblical love to one another. The next one we see is in Romans 15, 7, where it says, accept one another and thus follow Christ's example of acceptance to the glory of God. Accept one another. How difficult it is at times when you first get saved, you realize as you're growing and maturing, how unaccepting you are to certain people. 
It happens. And it comes very clear as many times where you can find yourselves, oh, they're, they're on that side of the tracks, not this side of the tracks. Oh, they're military. We're, we're, we're locals. It goes on and on and on. Oh, that's male. That's female. That's older generation. That's younger generation. You can see all the possible divisions of how the enemy works when you are a non-believer and how that is so prevalent in people's minds. But it should not be as a Christian. As you mature and grow, that should never be an issue to accept one another following Christ's examples of acceptance to the glory of God. And the last one here for these books in Acts and Romans we see is admonish one another because you are enabled by the Lord to do so. Romans 15, 14. There are times... It's not something you go around looking to admonish one another, to correct one another, to find fault. And that's not at all what you're supposed to do. But there are times where you have a relationship with someone that brings to light. God gives you a word to share with them because they need to be admonished. Why? Because you are enabled by the Lord to do so. Why? Because you love that person. Why would you let that person continue to do what they're doing without understanding what God says in the word? The question is, is will that person receive from you? That's a whole other problem. <laughs> the other question, you might sit there and say, Lord, you need to tell them this and share this word for, with them. And they're like, I don't want to hear anything from you. Well, that tells you where they are in their walk with Christ because they're not open to receiving someone who's lovingly, gently, lovingly sharing the word of God with them. The next book is 1 and 2 Corinthians. In 1 and 2 Corinthians, we see a few items. He says, the first one is in 1 Corinthians 1.10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you will... You all speak the same thing and that there will be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. So here in this one, the first expression of biblical love we find in 1 Corinthians here is to be of the same mind. Why? To preserve the unity within the body of Christ. To keep unity, we must be of the same mind. The second one we see is we are not to be greedy. Do not be greedy. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 22, and verse 33. We do not be greedy, but instead wait for one another when you will come to eat and express the unity of the body of Christ. There's a time where there's a unity when you come together to take communion together or to have break bread together or have a meal together. You should wait for someone else to sit down and take it together in unity. How important it is even to teach your children early on or the husbands to be taught. You don't just sit down at dinner and just start 
chopping away and, and not wait for everyone to sit down and just partake in the family dinner together? Of course you don't do that. So you train them up to make sure they understand. That's a biblical love expression of love. Don't be so greedy where when I grew up, the first one sat on that table. Before you even sat in the table, you were trying to grab the food because my two older brothers would have grabbed it and took all the food before I got to it. That was survival of the fittest, as they would have called it back then, right? That shouldn't be. We're not to be greedy. We should express that unity in the body of Christ by partaking together of the, of the breaking of the bread and the, the communion or having a meal together. There should be no division in the body. That's the third item here in the first, second Corinthians. We see it in first Corinthians 12, 25. There should be no division in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. And I want to encourage you. That's the most simplistic. Many times people show so much caring to other people. But those people that they're receiving care do not are not like-minded in that. They don't, they don't want to express the care back. They're easily to take it, almost kind of awkwardly, don't, no, no, I don't, want, don't show me any care because I don't have any intentions to show any care back. And that's what makes people very uncomfortable. They're just not there yet. So, but that doesn't stop us from still continuing to do show biblical love by showing and caring for another person. And then the fourth item here under First and Second Corinthians, we see it in Second Corinthians eight forty-five. It is give yourself first to the Lord, and then to one another. Why? That you may demonstrate that support and participation with other believers. It says here, imploring us with such urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we see here in 2 Corinthians, as you grow and mature, there's a biblical love that will be expressed from your life where you are just cannot help but give yourself to the Lord for the service of the Lord, of be available to the Lord. Whatever the Lord wants in my life, I will just do. I'm immediate obedience. And as you do that, then God is going to show you how to take that, that, ex, that expression of love and pour out to another person and demonstrate that support as believers to one another. There'll be such a unity. The next book is Galatians and Ephesians. And I'm going to go through these a little bit faster pace here because I'm not going to get through them all based on this. So I'm going to go a little bit faster here. And that is, we see that here in Galatians and Ephesians, Galatians 5.13, we must through love serve one another. That's an expression. Be willing to serve one another. In living by the Spirit, the second one here is do not become boastful, challenging one another and envying one another. We see that in Galatians 5, 24 through 26. We must be living by the Spirit, not by the flesh. If you live by the flesh, you're always wanting to compete. 
You're always wanting to butt heads with someone in that relationship. You're always willing to boast about something more that you have than someone else. Or look at what I've done or where I've gone and what I have. That is the flesh. That is not walking in the spirit. And if you're walking in the flesh, you're certainly not showing biblical love. The third thing is gently restore those who are caught in any sin, Galatians 6.1. We must, brethren, if a man is overtaken by any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You better be gentle, because if you're going to correct someone who's in sin and help them by gentle, you, you have a sense of, I understand, I'm here to help you because I could be in your place. I could be the one that's fallen into the sin. So I understand how, how fragile it can be. So I'm here gently going to try to help you. It's a mindset you need to have and a heart that needs to understand we must gentle restore someone who's caught in sin. The next one is bear one another's burdens. When you bear one another's burdens, you're fulfilling the law of Christ, Galatians 6.2. You're fulfilling God's purpose by bearing people's, with, one another, with one another's burdens. We see in Ephesians 2 through 3, bear with one another in love and preserve the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. Again, that biblical love, that theme keeps going over and over and over about preserving unity, preserving unity, preserving unity, preserving unity. Have you got that? Anytime where you see there's a disunity, there is a problem that you need to say, Lord, what do I need to do to help correct that disunity? That person may not want to do it. That group may not want to do it. But you must do your part. Next one is be truthful. Ephesians 4.25, be truthful because you are a member with others in the body of Christ. You must be truthful in the body of Christ. You cannot have hidden agendas. You can't be saying one thing but really thinking and feeling something completely different because those are just going to cause disunity and cause problems within the body of Christ. You cannot. You must be truthful. Again, speaking back in the biblical communications, you must be speak truth in love. You cannot forget the love when you're speaking the truth. Forgive one another just as Christ forgave you, Ephesians 4.32. So you must, as an expression of a biblical love, forgive one another. The next one is be kind and gentle-hearted to one another. Putting off bitterness. Putting off wrath, putting off anger, putting off the clamor and the malice. We see that in Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32. You must put that off. You cannot keep putting that on in your life. God, God died for that sin. You must put it off. And it's a deliberate daily decision if that's a challenge for you. And it has not become and is still lingering around you. You must make a conscious effort to tell God, help me Lord, fill me with your spirit to put off that junk of the past. You've died for it. It's no longer who I am. The next expression of biblical love we see, we find it in Ephesians 5 verses 18 through 20 and that is thankfulness. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. You must express biblical love in that fashion. Be thankful 
for those people that God has brought into your life. And then Ephesians 5, verses 18 through 21, we are living a life controlled by the Spirit. We must be controlled by the Spirit, be subject to one another in the fear or reverence of Christ. We must have this awe, reverence of Christ and who he is and what he has done. We must live a controlled life by the Spirit. That is expressing um, biblical love. You're expressing your feelings and emotions and everything else. Most of that is just nothing but flesh. You're not controlled by the Spirit. Next books is Ephesians, uh, Philippians and Colossians. We see that being of the same mind with one another to maintain the fellowship of the Spirit in affection and compassion. We must keep that unity. Philippians 2 verses 1 through 2. It says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. We must practice these things to have a biblical love. The next is regard one another as more important than yourselves, of Philippians 2.13. Next one is bearing with one another in love, Colossians 3. Verses 12 and 13, bearing one another in love. That means there's something of weight to bearing that you're going to have to work with people. You're going to have to bear. That's just not a, it might be a, not a light load sometimes, but you're going to do that anyway. You're going to bear that with one another in love. Why? Because God has chosen. God's chosen you to do it, to bear one another in love. Next one is forgive one another just as the Lord forgave you, Colossians 3.13. And then lastly here in Philippians and Colossians, with, one, with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another through the, sims, the, through the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, etc., etc., Colossians 3.16. We must have all wisdom teach and admonish one another. We must be in the word and use the word to help one another. Next book is 1 Thessalonians. We see a few different ones here in this one. Of course, love one another since the Lord has caused you to increase and abound in his love. If he's increasing that love in you, you should, it should be overflowing and abounding of love for another person. We see that in 1 Thessalonians 3.12. And the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. The next one in 1 Thessalonians is comfort one another with the promise of the Lord's return, that you may not sorrow without hope. We see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Next one, we need to encourage one another. That's found in 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. We're to greatly appreciate and highly esteem others. To live in peace with one another. We're to, to greatly appreciate people. We're to greatly and highly esteem them for who they are in Christ. 
and the fact that they're your brother, your sister. We see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 as well, but verses 12 and 13. And the last one in 1 Thessalonians 5.15 is, Seek after that which is good for one another. When you have a relationship, look at what good you can do for them. Not evil for evil. If someone gives you evil, you're still looking at what good can I do for them. And ask the Lord how you can do that. Because again, you're trying to restore, you're trying to reconcile, you're trying to do to keep the unity within the body. Here's the next books, Hebrews and James. Let's encourage one another. Hebrews 10.25. Matter of fact, I'm going to read for you Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25, and that will catch pretty much all four of these points. It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is in the manner of some. But exhorting one another so, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now I think that is so important of verses in the day we live. The day is approaching. The Lord is returning to come and take his bride, you and I, home. There are some very difficult times that we're living in. And there are some, as the scriptures say, will forsake the assembly. Like it's no big deal not to be part of the assembly. Some will be in that kind of a manner. That's where they are in their walk with the Lord. But that should not be for you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. As a, as, a, as, a, as a disciple, you want to desire to be in fellowship and a gathering of the assembly. That is, that is an indication of your health and your walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ, is the desire to assemble together. Hebrews 10, I'll give it to you again for those who are questioning. Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25, I encourage you to pray and to study that because it's to encourage one another, to stimulate one another and to love and good deeds and hold fast. That's the second part. Third is the assembling with one another and may encourage one another as we draw closer to the Lord's return. We must encourage. Why? Think about that. Think that through. Why do I need to be encouraged in the assembly of people waiting for the Lord's return? Because what does the scripture tell us what the days will be like when the Lord's return? Is it going to be just having a great day and everything's prosperous and everything is smooth and, and just hunky-dory? No, there'll be pestilences. It will be rampant. There'll be divisions and falling away and people walking away from the faith. It's going to be unusual natural disasters are happening. It will be difficult days as we see things coming closer with the Lord's return. How can we not be together to encourage each other? You'll, if you don't get that, it's not clicking for you. I hope and pray that God will work on your heart in that because you're, you're, you're don't, you have to understand what the scriptures are saying and how important it is to be in that. And also under that one last point, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That we find in James 5.16. We must be 
praying and confessing, meaning sharing with someone God has brought in your life that what struggles you're having so that they can be praying for you and sharing the scripture to encourage you to continue in that walk. First Peter, love one another out of your, out of your obedience to the truth and thus cover many sins. We see that in 1 Peter 1, 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Second one is be a blessing to one another out of your calling in Christ to inherit a blessing. We see that in 1 Peter 3, 9. What a calling. Next one we see in 1 Peter is be hospitable to one another without complaint. Should I repeat that? <laughs> Let me repeat that. Matter of fact, I'll give you the scripture, 1 Peter 4, 9, and I'm going to read this one for you. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Are you there yet in your walk with, as a disciple? Oh, I'm going to serve him something, I guarantee you. He doesn't appreciate this. Look at what I've done over here and I got it all set. And look at these people, they don't appreciate what I've just done to help them. Not that you've done that, but other people do that. But we shouldn't be grumbling as we serve one another. We also see in Peter, through love, serve one another since you have been gifted to do so. 1 Peter 4 10 tells us that as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as God's stewards of the manifold grace of God. God has gifted you with something for not for you, but to manifest that, to give out, to bless other people by serving. And the last one for Peter, 1 Peter 5, 5, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. You want to show expressive love is to be humble toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Biblical expression is to be humble toward other people and your interactions with other people. And then last three points, literally, last three points. This one is out of 1st and 2nd John. Fellowship with one another through Christ because you are walking in his light. 1st John 1, 7. Expression of biblical love in 1st John 1, 7 is fellowship with one another through Christ because you are walking in the light. 1st John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ's Son cleanses us from all sin. From all sin. The second expression of biblical love we find in First uh, and Second John, I'll give you, is love one another and be obedient to God in response to his love for you. Expression of love is obedience. How, how do you know if you love God? By your obedience to the word. Are you obedient to him? 1 John 3.11. And there's many. There's other ones in that as well. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 11. And last point. Under 1 John 
in 2 John, we see in 1 John 3.17, meet the needs of your brother because God's abiding love in you. You have the ability because God is, can work through your life to meet the needs of your brother. How do you help someone who's in crisis and you know in your fellowship they're in crisis? Just know that God, if you are walking with the Lord in the Spirit, He will show you how to meet their need. Are you, are you even asking when you hear someone's in need? Lord, is there something I can do to help meet that need? And if He gives it to you, then immediate obedience is an expression of love of how you will be able to do that. If He doesn't give it to you, then He's not asking you to do it. Don't make it up. Just be led by the Spirit to do it. And if you're fellowshipping within the body, then that's how it works. So many times it drives me crazy. People say, well, you, no one cares about, the, uh, cares about me at the church. And I'll hear these kinds of comments. Well, what do you mean no one cares about you? And you find out that that person hasn't been to church in five or six months. How would I know? What your needs are, and whether, I mean, unless you share it with someone within the body, I don't have to be as a pastor, be the one to do it. It's the body that can help you. If you're fellowshipping with people and developing relationships, God's going to use those relationships to help one another in the body. If you don't show up, you don't meet anybody, you don't talk to anybody, how do you allow the body to do what God's designed it to do to help you in time of need? It's not complex. I know some of you go, that's pretty simple. Yeah, it is. Not always easy. But we just went through how many scriptures about keeping unity, allowing God to work through your life. The question is, if you're a disciple of God and you're maturing, this is just natural. If you're struggling with it, that just means you're still maturing. Just keep showing up. Stay in the Word. Stay in the fellowship. And watch God use you or let someone be able to use, God will use them in your life to help you. But you've got to keep showing up, <laughs> regardless of how you feel. 